is a very good afternoon. It's Niall Boylan with you for the next two hours or so, by the way. A little bit later on, by the way, a very interesting conversation we're going to be having about dogs. Don't forget, by the way, please support the show on a regular basis. As you well know, RTE is supported by your money. <laughs> so they can buy flip-flops and tickets to gigs. We are not supported by your money, so we don't go to gigs. And I don't even have a pair of flip-flops. Look, I have a pair of cheap shoes, okay? So... Please support us by going to our website and either donating or subscribing to the website. And you can do that at nileboylan.com. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But first on the show today, you may have noticed that small businesses around Ireland are really suffering. Every day in the news, there's another story. And I'm going to read one out for you here now. Food entrepreneur who has closed his restaurant in Cork's Eat on the Street dining destination has urged the government to reduce the VAT rate for food-led businesses or face more closures. Damien Tuhuk said up to 10 jobs will now be lost following his decision to close Burnt Pizza on Princess Street, the second restaurant closure in the street in recent weeks. He said the government's decision last year to restore the VAT rate eroded his already fine margins. So he's already on the edge. We came through COVID. Then the war in Ukraine, of course, affected the price of flour. We're buying it from Italy, he said, but the wheat came from Ukraine and the energy costs went through the roof. The government can't do much about the COVID and the war, but the government can do something about the VAT rate. But then the government, he said, increased the minimum wage. That had a knock-on effect on other staff who looked for an increase. Then they changed the holiday and pension entitlements. As you know, from January the 1st, the sick pay rate went up as well. And they also restored the VAT rates. All of this has had a dramatic effect on small businesses over Ireland. Every day we're seeing more and more small businesses close all over the country. And many have been struggling, of course, since COVID-19, hanging on to an awful lot of debt. You may have noticed on the news last week, of course, the Revenue Commissioners announced they will be extending the period for people who put debt or warehouse debt businesses during COVID-19. Now, you, as I suppose a non-business person listening today, may not understand that too much, but... During COVID-19, when there was no business, when all these restaurants were essentially closed and bars and gastropubs were closed, they still had to pay their VAT returns on any business they did whatsoever. They still had to pay VAT returns. They couldn't afford to do it. So the government said, look, you can put that to one side for the next two years. And when you do pay, it will give you a very low interest rate on it. The two years has elapsed. The government have now extended that again further because they know how troubling it is for business. But they haven't wavered it. They've just extended it, which means they still owe it. It's still a debt sitting there. Not only that, on top of that, in rural Ireland, small pubs, restaurants and the hospitality in industry in general has suffered badly, need I say it, from immigration. Immigration has filled up hotels, 40% of them around the country, with immigrants and refugees. No harm to them, but they're not spending the money in restaurants. They're not tourists. They don't come with their wallets lined with money anymore. They're people who are living off the state and unfortunately don't have a huge amount of money to spend in local restaurants and businesses. So small businesses are suffering. So what we want to do today is we want to talk about the death of business in rural Ireland. And in general, we want our listeners to get involved in this and your thoughts. What is killing the Irish business, the Irish small business? Let us know what you think, by the way. The number is 085-122-55. That's 085-122-55. Joining me for the conversation is Paul Travaux from Travaux's Restaurant. Uh, Paul, good afternoon to you. How are you, Niall? How's things? Good. Well, I suppose it's good for me. Okay for you, you're kind of struggling through. You've talked to us the last time when we were making pancakes. You were telling us how difficult it has been. Are you Well, first of all, are you back to pre-COVID-19 days yet? Are you close to that even? No, nowhere near it. Nowhere near it at all. Uh, and the reason being pretty much everything that you read out there summed it up perfectly. But 
probably the main reason in, in Killarney and, and other tourist destinations is that seasonal and rural destinations is that we've given away so much accommodation to uh, immigration. Uh, and because of that, the accommodation that have done it are doing fine. The accommodation that didn't do it because of basic law of supply and demand of economics, uh, they're doing fine because they've increased the rate. But no matter what, we take Larney, for example, 40% of the accommodation gone. That means 40% down on the high street. So that's where we're seeing, you know, the, the real trouble. And, and then you can just multiply that by every small town around Ireland. I know Donegal has been decimated. I know uh, Sligo, I know Westport, I know Kilkenny, Yall. I don't think there's a single room available in Yall anymore, which is, again, was a very big tourist destination. So obviously the, the high street, the shop, the bar, the restaurant, the spin-off effect on that are all seriously suffering at the moment. So so simply put, are we back to pre-COVID uh, levels? Nowhere near it. And when you say nowhere near it, you're not even getting the footfall. I know your costs have increased, your energy costs have increased, your wages have increased, the VAT rate has increased. You know, obviously, uh, in relation to a pizza shop, the price of flour has increased, the price of everything has increased. So is it that you're not back to, you know, having the turnover or you're not back to having the profit? Which is it? Well, it's, it's probably, to be honest, which is, it's probably both because, I mean, we need turnover to generate cash flow to create profit to be able to sustain all our costs. So, I mean, if you take away your turnover, well, then obviously everything, you know, follows suit. Uh, the problem now is, is that everything is just, and it's, and it's very important because I know you'll have people on that, you know, from retail and from other premises and, and other shops. It's, it's not just the restaurant industry. It's the small family-run business. It's the small guy on the corner shop, uh, whether it be bar, restaurant, retail, that is just being absolutely decimated, crucified. I mean, the VAT rate, everyone screams the VAT rate. And, and, and it's very important to put it into context because I like what you said there when people, you know, for those who aren't in business that don't understand, people say it's only gone up four and a half percent, but the reality of it is it's gone up 50% because it was at nine and now it's gone to 13 and a half percent. And people say, yeah, but you never passed on, you know, the, 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 the break when it, when it was dropped. But the reality is, is that everything was going through the roof throughout COVID, throughout uh, the increased cost of doing business. So it was very hard to absorb the VAT decreased, and then all of a sudden now that it's gone back up again on top of everything else gone back up again, it's just another nail in the coffin again. And and that's the problem, it's just you can't catch a break. And, I, and I'm talking to so many family-run businesses, I know we're gonna to talk to quite a few now, uh, and they've stopped paying themselves, they've canceled their pensions, they've stopped doing everything, they can't get their costs down any lower, but that's simply not sustainable. And in most family-run businesses, you've got, whether it be the chef or whether it be the guy out front or whether it be both, they're normally doing the work of three, four, five staff. So, because it's obviously, it's, it's, their, it's their business. So they have everything down to an absolute bare minimum. And if the revenue isn't coming in and the costs of doing business are so high, it doesn't take a genius to figure out as to why we're seeing the amount of closures that we're seeing right now. And what is the solution? I, I know there's a, there was a plan put together by the Restaurant Association of Ireland. And by the way, just to mention as well, you know, we wanted to do our best to try and help small businesses today. That was the purpose of today's show. We reached out to Falcha Ireland, uh, to their chief executive, of course, uh, of Falcha Ireland, uh, Paul Kelly. We got no response whatsoever. We reached out to the Minister, Neil Richmond, TD. He said he wasn't available. Uh, we reached out to the Minister for Tourism, Catherine Martin. No response whatsoever. We reached out to Damien Cummins from the Restaurant Association of Ireland. And I know we will be speaking to Anthony Gray shortly, who is a council member. But again, he wasn't available for the show to Ireland. Does that surprise you? No, not in the slightest. Uh, I mean, listen, if, you know, if I thought you were an idiot, are you going to come on to the radio and defend yourself if you actually are? And 
not calling them an idiot, but they know tourism has been absolutely decimated. They know there's no, you, they, you can't argue against what we're saying. Every, like I wouldn't, I'd much rather, as I always say, I remember the days I used to tweet lovely pictures of food. I'd much rather be doing that. I'd much rather than standing and screaming and putting my head above, uh, you know, the, the water to be, to be shot. Uh, but there's, of course, they're not going to come on to defend it because there's no defending it. Tourism in Ireland has been absolutely decimated. And, and for the life of me, when you see the trajectory of, of, of the funding that's going to fall to Ireland and tourism Ireland, I'm going, I don't know why you're increasing your budgets because what are we selling? Because when, there's, no, there's nowhere for people to stay when we come here. Okay, obviously slight exaggeration, but we've lost so well, many well, it's not Well, it's not really an exaggeration because I'm, I'm concerned about this year. Last year was a big enough concern. Because we had yeah. so many people come in from Ukraine. And look, of course, we need to support as many people as we can in whatever way we can. But we have a limited amount of accommodation in this country. And that's why we're using hotels currently at the moment. We saw another big hotel, of course, in Toronto, the D Hotel recently. Uh, you know, a 500 occupancy hotel. And by the way, of course, the owners are going to take the money because they feel, look, I can fill me hotel for a whole year here and get more than I'm going to get from the average tourist, you know, from the government. And I'm guaranteed to book out every single room. So why wouldn't you do it? I suppose it's kind of logical to do the thing to do as a business person. So I'm not really having a go at them. But the government, the government should be responsible for what they're doing at the moment by filling hotels essentially with people, again, no harm to them, who don't have the money to spend in businesses. Well... Like, it's very important that we know that, as we know, there's zero accountability from any politician in this country. And when you have the Minister for Integration coming out saying that, look, we know there's over 100,000 people that come in and, and 60% of them are social migrants, as in coming in for social welfare benefits, coming in for the protection they receive as opposed to any other country. They're admitting that they've let in 60% of the people that they shouldn't have let in. Then, then you know that we're, like, we're on the back foot straight away. And... And when you see well, how the tourism has been decimated, and it's very, very important, because now I know your show, I know me, there'll be people going in, here's this racist again and all that. As a business point of view, and I'm not talking about morally, I'm talking purely as a business point of view. If I'm a hotelier and I have to staff, I have to insure, I have to rate, I have to do everything in my hotel, run that hotel from one day of the year to the end, and I make a million quid at the end of it, are, from what we've seen in the D Hotel there in, in Dundalk, or the Drada, that it's that all of a sudden the government are giving them 13 million, 13 million. Now, has nobody turned around and said, listen, lads, hang on a second. As a trading hotel, they make a million euro a year. Would you not offer them two? Because it's you and me who's paying this. 13 million is an absolute exorbitant amount of money. And I, who's going to turn that down? So you work 80 hours a week in your hotel or you go over to Marbella and you check every Friday has the money gone into your account. Honestly, what would you do? Well, well, I don't blame the accommodation providers at all no. because the rate they're being given. But the, but the government, no, the government are responsible for this. Again, I don't blame the accommodation providers. And when we saw the list in the paper last week or the week before of the amount of businesses and hotels who are making an absolute fortune out of immigration in this country, making millions out of immigration, you cannot blame those who took, you can't pay t blame people for taking the 50 pieces of silver because they're 100%. being offered it. Yeah, I mean, look, you take it tomorrow. I mean, if the government turned around to you and said, Paul, I can fill your restaurant for the next five years, you know, we're going to use it to feed immigrants or to feed refugees or to feed them, and we'll pay you three times what you normally charge for a meal. I mean, I wouldn't blame you turning around and saying yes. And you can put your morals out the window. Business is business. So I get Absolutely. that. But, but the knock-on effect for that is the government shouldn't be making these decisions because the knock-on effect is we have to start thinking long-term. And if we're destroying, you know, rural villages and rural towns and businesses in rural towns, well, then we're in a, we have a huge problem. But we're not recognizing the problem.
I, I, what, what I really can't, like I consider myself, you know, remotely intelligent. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but I do an awful lot of thinking. I drive from Kenmare to Killarney every day when I'm going to work. I have 30, 40 minutes in the car where I do an awful lot of thinking. And I'm trying to think, why are they doing this? You can't tell me that they don't know what they're doing to small towns. I mean, when we have a teacher that turns down the barrel of a camera and says, you and your small town in rural Ireland, you don't get to decide who comes into your community. You don't get to decide whether this person or this person can or can't come into your community. But he can. So we can put all of a sudden 4,000 people into a town with a population of 10,000 over a period of six months. We can increase the population of a small rural town by 40% in six months and not expect that to have knock-on effects. Kenmare, population under 2,500, there's about 900 to 1,000 refugees and asylum seekers in the country. We're seeing more and more coming into it. And nobody up in, in Leinster House has done feasibility studies to say, look, how many can we put into a town that they'll integrate perfectly and it doesn't upset the dynamics of the running of that town? Nobody has done this. And as I said, you're, we're about to listen to other people on the radio now talking in a few seconds. We can't all be wrong. I mean, most of us want to be back in our restaurant, in our bar, in our hotel, want to be working, smiling and doing what we do, promote Ireland to the tourists and taking care of our locals. We don't want to be shouting and screaming okay. on the radio, but it's got to the point that there's so many of us doing it now. Somebody has to listen before the whole thing absolutely explodes or implodes one or the other at this rate. Uh, let me just well go just to uh, Connor Marr, who's from the Oarsman Gastro Pub in Leitrim. Connor, hi, how are you? Hello, Niall. How are you? God, uh, Connor, you've been listening to Paul. Look, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, rural towns are suffering, why small villages are suffering, while the likes of yourself and gastro pubs and restaurants are suffering. The VAT race, the minimum wage, the responsibilities of now paying sick pay and sick leave, uh, as in from last year, which increased again in January this year. The cost of energy, the cost of wheat, the cost of everything has gone up. But of course, Paul points out one of the big ones as well is, you know, the lack of tourism because all the hotels are 40% certainly of the occupants of the hotels now are full of refugees and asylum seekers. But to you, what's killing your business? Um, I'd echo what Paul said. I mean, tourism, Carrick and Shannon is a very much a, a tourist town and we, we depend on it for that kind of, that boost, that adrenaline boost you get during the summertime. And over the last couple of years, that hasn't been there. Uh, like in two months' time, we'll be 22 years in business. You know, we're seventh generation hospitality and uh, I've never seen it never seen it as bad and um, the German market is way down which was one of our biggest markets and uh, that's not just because of beds obviously because you know the Germans will go on the boats yeah um, but there's something there's something not right kind of happening with Falch Ireland we've already seen that the, um, the, the the tourism support fund which is going to divvy out payments in early March from a 10 million fund will go to just attractions and activity providers and if you think that like 36% of tourists spend uh, historically is on food and we're, we're not included, we've been told that we're not included in the remit for tourism for 2024. Uh, uh, food, um, pubs and restaurants, gastro pubs are not included in the remit for tourism. And it's, it's absolutely crazy because if, if we look at it, um, uh, Niall, like in the Fortune Ireland 24 report on the demand expectations by sector for 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 attractions, 61% expected to be up on 23, and only 4% expected to be down. And then for activities, it was 56% expected to be up, but only 15% expected to be down. But if we contrast that with the food and beverage sector, 23% expected to be up. And I query that a lot of those are probably around the Dublin area. 29% said the same, and 48% said they'd be down on 23. But we know already that the 23 was an awful year in the industry. so. The Fortune Ireland data 
will back that up but, as but well. But, but so the data is skewed by the very fact that hotels are, I'm assuming, included in that data, yes? So if hotels are included in that data, I mean, which I'm assuming yeah. they are, I mean, you've got 40% occupancy uh, with refugees and asylum seekers and people seeking international protection, which the government are paying for over and above the odds. And then the rest of the hotels that are left can charge more because obviously the supply and demand, because we've seen the prices that hotels are charging in and around Ireland at the moment, those who are not, uh, you know, being used yeah. for accommodation for refugees and asylum seekers, et cetera, et cetera. So realistically, their turnover is up, you know, their profits are up, but the smaller businesses around the town, you know, where Paul and yourself and other pubs are gastro pubs and restaurants are relying on footfall from people with money in their wallets, that's dramatically fallen. Yes. Uh, it has uh, hugely. Um, I mean, if you if you think about it as well, I mean, uh, you're talking about an industry that's an integral part to the social fabric of the country. But uh, again, we just feel like we're just being disregarded. I mean, not even included in the tourism remit is is crazy. Um, uh, it's just just with everything going on now. I think uh, we're at a crunch point. People talk about a perfect storm. It it certainly is a perfect storm, and we've already seen by some of the quality of really good businesses closing down. That 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 seems to be what's kind of you know what's in store for a lot of places. Uh, unfortunately, what will happen is some of the places that that don't like Paul and like Anthony and ourselves show kind of great provenance and you know cook everything from scratch. You'll find the places that buy everything off a truck and only pay they don't pay proper chefs' wages. They'll pay for guys to uh, heat things up and, and, and arrange it on a plate. They'll probably survive. And what's that going to do to the reputation of Ireland as a, as a, you know, the the the, the, the incredible reputation that we've built up pre-COVID as like a food destination? This is a country with the finest produce in the world and like some cr- incredible chefs. And now we're in a kind of situation where those chefs will probably kind of decide there's no no future in this industry. For me, I'm I'm heading abroad, and we just see a, a, a brain drain in that respect as well because. You know, it's it's the ones that don't. The the, the biggest cost in business is wages, uh, as as the lads will all kind of uh, uh, agree. And we want to make sure we we support our staff there, the lifeblood of our industry. But with all these these other increases, it's, it makes it much harder for us to try and turn around to them and say, yes, we'll give you a rise. Yes, we'll give you a rise. Or this. So it's it's a perfect storm. It really is, mm. and it just beggars belief. Um, just stay there for a second because I want to go to Anthony Gray as well. Anthony is an RIA, the Restaurant Association of Ireland, um, and he is the ex-president and also council member of the RIA and a restaurant owner himself, by the way, um, and he owns Alevon in Sligo. Anthony, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Uh, Anthony, nice to talk to you again. I spoke to you on the radio going back a, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, and I'm assuming things have not mm-hmm. got better. I can, I can only assume things have got worse because we're now looking at 2023, 288 businesses like yours uh, gone to the wall, and I imagine 2024 is probably going to be a lot worse uh, because the more occupancy we fill in hotels with people who don't have money, uh, I suppose the worse it is for you guys. Well, look at um, as, as as the previous uh, contributor has already said, we are in a perfect storm. And the one thing that we we as an industry need, and it's vital that we get it, is we are asking for the VAT rate to be reduced back to nine percent. Like it is crippling businesses out there, and it is the one major factor when businesses close that they're alluding to. It is the, it is the fact that the the VAT has gone up. Now, if the government come back and roll back and reduce that, yes, businesses have a chance of survival. But at the moment, Niall, it's survival of the fittest. 
and it's a terrible situation to be in. Um, it is getting worse, and if the government don't take a stance on this, you're going to see, obviously, mass youth unemployment, because in little small towns like, like Sligo, we, we, we support local jobs, but we also support the youth jobs in their first job that they get. Already you see youth unemployment on the rise because of these businesses closing. And as well as that, we also support little artists and small little artists and producers. Now, if we can't stay in business, obviously they're going to get hit. And it, it's, it's just constant flow of it. So it, it's vital that the, that the VAT rate go back to 9.5%. I mean, there's not only the VAT rate, of course. I was talking to Paul there a few minutes ago as well. I mean, you've also got the phased warehouse debt repayments, which now I know the government going back a couple of weeks ago in RT News, I spotted a story where they said they were going to extend that. But obviously the Restaurant Association are looking at that for that to be extended further. I mean, realistically, most businesses probably warehoused, you know, four quarters of VAT, probably. I don't know, it depends. I don't know how many got you guys all warehoused. But, you know, to pay that back over any short period of time is going to be devastating for any business. Uh, look at it, absolutely. But you must understand too. There's lots of businesses, and there's there's actually two businesses that close in Sligo that didn't have warehousing debt. Mm. So, like you know, they can't come out and just offer an olive branch and say, "Look at we, you know, oh, we've extended the warehousing debt." Where extending that is not the answer. The answer is to reduce the VAT rate. And if they don't do that, you're going to see a tsunami of closures. You've already seen it. Two restaurants per day in this country are closing due to the fact that it, the business costs are spiralling out of control. You have all these different hits from the government that were constantly getting hit with, with sick pay, you know, with, with, with wages. And that's, go, that's and going up again next January. So that, that went up to what, seven and a half, what was it? It went up to seven days in January. It was five right. days last year, seven days, and I think it's 10 days next year. So yeah, all those things and all those other entitlements <laughs> that are coming in. I mean, look, everybody understands why all those things have to be done. But that doesn't make life easy for the small business. But you have to understand, right? If you pay sick pay, that means if a chef goes down, right, and is sick, obviously you pay them sick pay. But it also means that you have to get somebody in to cover their job. It's not like an office job where they can catch up on it. Mm -hmm. So it's a totally different scenario. And I think the government don't realise that sometimes when they bring out some of these measures that they, that they don't realise that, okay, hold on, this industry is different to this industry and it's different to this industry and it's different to this industry. And I think a common sense approach needs here to be taken by the government. And look, at, I don't know if it'll happen or not. It's, it's, it's very, very uh, scary times. We're in uncharted waters. You know, this war is going to go on and continue to go on. Uh, you know, that's not helping, helping anything. But, uh, you know, I think the government, it's vital. Look, at, if they want little small uh, businesses to survive, we are one of the biggest indigenous, uh, the hospitality is one of the biggest indigenous employers. And if they don't look after that, uh, well, then they're just going to go through the wall. I mean, Paul, listen to the lads there, and I'm going to come to Connor Woods as well in a second, who's also a restaurateur from the Bay Tree restaurant in Carlingford. But, I mean, listen to the lads there. I mean, it does seem like they're all voiceless. Now, I know Anthony, obviously, is, you know, on the uh, Restaurant Association. He's a current council member of the Restaurant Association of Ireland. But for, I don't see them recognising these problems, the government. It almost seems like you lot are voiceless. The problems are very obvious. The main one, of well, when I say the main one, is the, what was the VAT rate we spoke about, you know, and obviously the delayed in the pension auto-enrollment, which is coming in in 2025, where all uh, businesses will have to offer a pension to their staff. That's another cost on top of it again. And, of course, you were talking about the fact that the hotel occupancy, 40% of them in small towns, have refugees and asylum seekers in them. 
I mean, these are all things. So do you feel voiceless, Paul? Do you feel like nobody's representing you? I know the Restaurant Association are meant to be representing you, but are, they, are the government even ignoring them too? I, I, to be honest, at this stage, I, I don't think the government care, to be perfectly honest. Like, when you listen to Connor there and the oarsman in Carrigan Channel, himself and Ronan, a family steeped in tradition of, of, of restaurant trade, hospitality, hotels, and, and Connor saying exactly what we're all saying in the same thing. Again, we wouldn't be on the radio unless this was a major issue. Uh, look, I, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I completely disagree with what Anthony says about the VAT because in order to see a VAT, the rewards of the VAT coming down, then your turnover must increase because obviously a VAT is an ongoing uh, cost that's coming in. I think the bigger picture is is the wage increase, which was about a 12.5-13% on the minimum wage. Coupled into everybody, as Connor mentioned, that you know the next guy wanted more because the next guy wanted more and so on and so forth. It's an employer's or a side that's well, but you can't, but you can't, really? yeah. But Paul, you can't blame staff wanting more money. No, or yeah. listen, listen to my point, this is yeah. very, very important because uh, so the average increase now in every restaurant has gone probably around 25 percent of an increase in the wage cost. And put that into any other business and imagine the, the absolute uproar we'd have. But here's, here's my point the government put that onus on the employer. So before that wage increase, the minimum wage was coming out in and around 450 euro per week. That the person, the wage, the, the net wage, they were coming out between 400 and 405 euro, give or take on their own tax credits, whether it be married and allowances and all that kind of stuff. So they were getting around 400 to 405 euro net into their week on the minimum wage. That increase now means that the net salary they get is now 450 euro, which is what it was gross before the wage increase went up. So why is it, and don't ever forget, when Michael McGrath and Pascal Donoghue turned around and they were asked pre-Christmas that the, that the refugees and asylum seekers were going to cost Ireland in 2024 one billion, this was before they realised it was actually going to be four, but they said it was going to cost one billion, where are you going to get that money from? And their answer is, we'll get it from somewhere. So if the government were genuine about helping the people, they could have removed all people on minimum wage from all tax and all tax liabilities, so that their gross salary of 450 euro was now their net salary of 450 euro, and let the government take the hit. So everybody would still be the same, but we would not have increased the wages and the wage costs of every restaurant but and the, every but yeah, I, and I, I, I agree with you, by the way, or they could have absolutely reduced, uh, or reduced employers' PRSI as well. That's another uh, way they could have increased the, the minimum wage. But I am going to say to you, I can't blame people, your staff, Anthony's staff, Connor's staff, all looking for a rise. Because like everybody else, we're all suffering the same way with the cost of living. The government said, yeah, but the government said there's been a cost of living increase of 10%. That's not what people are feeling in their pockets. People are feeling 25% of their pockets. And you know, when you go to, when you fill up your car, when you pay your electricity bill, everything is 25% at least dearer. So I don't know where they're getting the eight or 9%. So I don't blame people looking for a rise. But the government should have stepped in and said, look, we'll reduce employers' PRSI. We'll top that off. Anybody earning under a certain amount doesn't pay tax. I agree with you. But that's just one ingredient. I, I do agree with Anthony in relation to the VAT. I know you don't. It is another ingredient, Paul. It may not be no, the be-all and end-all that's going to close someone down, but it's another ingredient. You know, the the cost of energy, the cost of electricity. You guys use more electricity than probably most businesses because you've got ovens on all the time or gas or whatever you're, you're operating on. So all of those things add up. And then, of course, the nail in the coffin is if you're in a small town, like, for example, Anthony described to me before on the radio, you know, I think, Anthony, you mentioned there's two main restaurants in, in the on the street you're on. Is it two? Yeah, I have two, yeah. And, like, look at... The restaurant and one hotel. There's only how many hotels uh, there? And there's probably in 
there would be about maybe four to five hotels around Sligo. But they, they, we're very lucky that the Restaurant Association has the ear of the government, and they do they do listen to us as an association. And we, but are they, we re- are they really listening, But if I'm doing this show today and we're talking about 288 businesses closing last year and the possibility of more than that closing this year and all of these problems that we have, are they really listening to the Restaurant Association? They listened to us before, Niall, and they listen to us again. What we've managed to do before, we managed to get and keep the VAT rate at 9% due to lobbying. Yes, look, at, at the end of the day, the wages have gone up. But the wages, you must understand, go up every year the minimum wage goes up. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay your employees a decent wage if you want to keep them. Mm-hmm. That's, that, no, that, I agree that's with that. Yeah. the way it is. Obviously, obviously, the cost of living and inflation has gone up. But what we, what we didn't anticipate coming is all these hits, and especially the VAT rate, before at 9%, yes, you're working at most restaurants, and any personal telly on this call, most restaurants work off small margins, maybe 4 to 5%. But that, since, since they work in that, the, obviously the VAT rate has gone up, so that's gone. So we are asking now the government to say, hold on a minute, look what this has caused. It is the one major thing that is causing havoc, and that is the fact that the 9% VAT rate has gone back up to 13.5%. What we want is it for food-led businesses only to pay the 9%. If they do that, well, then businesses have a chance of survival. If they don't, they'll go to the wall. And when you say, when, when when you... went to a vote tonight, and, and, and they voted against it. The government voted against it. So, so the government don't listen to any association. It's not just a restaurant association. They don't listen to any association. They look at figures in versus out and how to balance the books. And if the books don't balance, then they don't listen. If the books can balance by listening, then they'll make everybody look good by saying, yeah, okay, we, we'll go ahead and do it. But they went to a vote. We went to vote in, in the door and they voted against it. So that's what the government think of our, of our industry right now. They couldn't care less if we close because they're still living in the 80s and the 90s thinking that if Trevo's goes bust or if the Oarsman goes bust or if any of Anthony's places go bust, that there's 20 people coming in behind to reopen up the next place. And there's not one because a bank won't lend a single cent to anybody in hospitality at the moment. So the government are so far removed from what's going on right now at the moment that they, they literally could not care less if we all went up to Leinster House. They still couldn't care less. Well, say there, all of you, for a second. Let me just go to Connor Woods. Um, Connor owns the Bay Tree Restaurant in uh, Carlingford. Uh, Connor, hi. How are you? Oh, hi, Niall. How's things? Good, Connor. Um, Connor, in relation to your situation, where are you at now at the moment? Are are, are things okay? Are you hanging in there, or is there well, a danger like everybody else? Yeah, would be the word. Uh, very seasonal down here in Carlingford. Um, we lost our main hotel in Carlingford for nearly six months because of flooding. So. Over the winter months, um, it has been there's been no sort of walk around trade. It's all basically based weekend trade. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm here on a Thursday night, and I have two people booked for tonight, but I've got five staff on, and you're like, that's no way to run a business in in any way, shape, or form. And but um, I, just so, to give people a comparison, if you compare that to say pre-COVID times, 2018, 2019. Well, pre-COVID times, yeah, the tourism was a lot higher. Mm-hmm. In 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 Carningford and in Ireland in general, um, but we we seem to have um, a minister for tourism here, um, Catherine Martin, who is that seems. I mean, Fudge Ireland have just launched. It's all about climate change for them and how climate action can 
change our business and sustainability. And they don't seem to be trying to help the businesses actually increase their business. It just seems to be all about climate change. Mm-hmm. Well, we did, we, as I said, we did invite the Minister for Tourism, Catherine Martin, on the show. Yeah. And, and we also did invite Falcha Ireland as well, Chief Executive, yeah. uh, Paul Kelly, but both uh, didn't even yeah. respond to us. Yeah, I mean, I like, and then you have, we have Eamon Ryan, Minister for Transport, who's putting a cap on airport numbers. Um, did you say Minister for Transport? <laughs> that would, uh-huh. That's probably a better, <laughs> better choice of words there, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> right, Minister for what? Go on. So go on, Connor. Yeah. And he's anti-car, and he's our energy manager, minister, and he's anti-fuels. I mean, my big gripe is all, I mean, uh, the VAT rate, I think if food-led businesses should be 9%. I think accommodation, and I have accommodation, I'm quite happy at 13.5% on that. Um, But the carbon tax, I mean, if carbon tax was cut, everything Mm. would go down. I mean, literally everything in the entire country would go down. Um, But they just keep forcing this agenda, this climate action agenda. I mean, I, I would have thought that with the, the, the tourism minister in Falch Ireland, that it would be to bring more people into the area, but it just seemed to be have, how to tackle have you been have, have you been affected in your area in Carlingford? Now, I don't know how many hotels are left in Carlingford now at this stage, but... We as have we, two. Okay, well, as we see across the country, you know, 40% of occupancy now is not tourism anymore. It's yeah. obviously housing, you know, refugees. Have you seen that in Carlingford or is that... Yeah, we, we, do, we do see it more to a limited extent, um, and more private businesses may may be doing that, um, but like I I really feel for the people in Drogheda at the moment and the businesses in Drogheda and Newgrange and all those places where the main the main mm. hotel in that town um, has um, is now just going to be for immigrants only. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if I had a business up there and I was I was promoting a band or a comedy festival or I mean they only had um, Fla there a couple of years ago. I mean where the hell are people going to stay? Bar the little small business owners mm-hmm. up there, it's just it's yeah. madness what's going on. I mean, Connor, I mean, you've been listening there as well. I mean, obviously, you're a gastro pub, which is slightly different, but still, you are food led no, business. No, no, we're, we're a restaurant. Oh, you're re- oh, sorry, Connor, I thought you were a gastro pub. No, no, we're, we're a restaurant, yeah. And okay. our food costs have just gone through the roof. I bought two, two ribeyes this morning, and they cost me 220 pounds sterling. I wow. think that's a huge increase. Yeah. That's, and I know I buy in the north. For that one, I'm on the border. Yeah. Um, but you just can't. You can't get the produce and fish. I mean, paying 17, 18 euros a kilo, whereas pre-COVID, we were paying like 12 euros for cod and hake. So if you were to buy turbot now, it's like 21. 30, and I'm assuming you're trying to keep you're, you're trying to keep the plate of food at the same price or close to the same price because you don't want to turn people yeah. away because you don't want to turn people off going there. Yeah, well, I always tried to keep my, my dishes between 20 and 30 euros, but now the standard is between 20 or 30 and 40. I saw, I had a, See, if, I going, if I'm going into a restaurant, call me, you know, a cheapskate, but if I'm going into a restaurant and I can get a steak dinner, I expect to pay, on average, about between tw- 26, 26 or 30. Sorry, that was Jackie Healy, right? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 26 or 30 30 euro. Yeah. 36 has to be. You like Either that or you're a busy fool. You're buying steaks. You might get 10 steaks off a ribeye 
and you're paying a hundred quid plus for that ribeye, you have to you have to make that money back. So, what, so what's going to so what's going to happen? What's going to happen now with the agriculture sector being forced to cull cows? We're going to be importing a lot of our beef. Our climate action. Well, the yeah. Cli- yeah, Connor was going on about the climate action there. Saying, and he's one hundred percent right. So all of these policies yeah. are going to make it more cost uh, less cost effective to produce our yeah. own meat and have our own meat in this country, and you're going to be paying extra. To buy imported beef from whatever I don't know Brazil, yeah. Argentina, well, wherever Brazil, it is. We have our we have our minister for transport heading over to Brazil now to for for, for Paddy's Paddy's day. day. Yeah, maybe he's going to get more wood chips. I don't know. Um, mm. Is he going to get more Brazilian beef coming in over here? It's just going to cost jobs and in the Irish farming sector as well. Um, it's across the board, and and it's the Greens and their agenda that is causing most of this pain and misery. There are pox in this country. There's no two ways about it, in my yeah. opinion, anyway. Yeah. Um, and they're not good for business. I think they're anti-human party. I mean, they'd rather have people at home cold in their homes um, because the amount of carbon tax that is on, on um, kerosene. Mm. A tank of fuel uh, or kerosene is 12, 1,400 euros, whereas yeah. a couple of years ago it was 500 euros. And this is for carbon tax. To save the planet, because yeah, I of mean, course, yeah. I mean, look, we all care about the planet, but we have to be realistic as well. Connor, sorry, just getting back to to, to the oarsman as well. Are, are you're seeing the increases too? Yeah, those massive increases across the board in everything. Yeah, I had my insurance went up from two and a half grand um, last year. That was for my whole building. I have accommodation, and the insurance company had pulled out that we were dealing with. Had pulled out of Ireland, gone back to UK market. So I could only get it doubled in price. So it's 5,000 euros. So, and I have to pay that nearly in one go. You can't spread that over costs. So I had to find five grand from somewhere. That, that's, so, your li- that's for your liability insurance. Yeah. Yeah, for, for the building. Yeah. yeah. So and fire yeah. and, and all, all, all Public liability, yeah. I mean, Paul, liability. I mean, Paul, listen to the lads again. I'm going to come to Jackie Healy Way in a second in relation to agriculture. And I'm assuming, you know, obviously as a steak-led restaurant too, you understand the price of beef and how expensive that's become. I mean, Connor yeah. has a, a huge disrespect and lack of faith in the Green Party and believes that they are a huge part of the problem too in relation to green taxes and green policies, etc., etc., yeah. as well as all the other things that we've talked about in the last 20 minutes, Paul. I mean, realistically, yeah. how can you fix all of these problems, Paul? They're well, not going myself, to be fixed. And I need to go, myself, myself and Connor need to go for a pint because whatever disdain he has for the Green Party, you can multiply it by 10 by me. It's amazing how it's the Irish cows farting that's ruining the planet. The Brazilian ones are fine. So we're going to kill 200,000 cattle here in Ireland and we're just going to import it in from Brazil instead because that's fine. We're just going to ship them all the way halfway across the, the world and that's apparently a good idea. And you can be very cynical about as to why we're looking to increase the imports from Brazil and Argentina. But all we need to do is we just need to look at peat, we need to look at sugar beet, we need to look at our fishing industry, and successive governments have destroyed all of those. They have absolutely, they are gone, absolutely destroyed. And we're about to do the exact same thing with our farming industry. And we need to protect that. And if the farmers are going out protesting, everybody in the absolute country needs to go out and support them. Because without the farmers, we simply don't have the food. I have, I, I'm as, as far as I'm concerned with the Green Party, I have no problems saying Eamon Ryan, he's the leader of the Green Party. I think he just comes up with this harebrained idea, dances down the street to a, to a, a pride parade, and think everything is all hunky-dory down and not realising the consequences of what he's left behind, the destruction of so many businesses in the country. So Connor is spot on. The carbon tax is crucifying businesses as well. If we go and we pull 200,000 cattle and have to import, we have no idea what we're getting in from and if you think it's expensive, your audio's gone there now. If, if you think it's expensive 
for um for the price of beef now yeah. wait and see what it's going to be when we start importing so much more in from brazil and argentina i mean i, I, I had I, the chinese guy come in uh the foreign minister uh, to open up beef exports to china so we're exporting our beef to china while importing beef for us from brazil doesn't make sense yeah, I, I, I'm looking here, lads, and I, I'm hoping to speak to Jackie Healy Ray. He was on there a second ago, but we seem to have lost him there for the moment. We'll get him back on again uh, about the farming industry. That, of course, has a, a knock-on effect for the restaurant business, of course, as we all know, because they provide the food. I mean, agriculture is our biggest export. Well, certainly one of our biggest exports in this country, apart from technology. And, you know, we need to protect it. But I think you're you're all right when you're saying that successive governments, and particularly this government, uh, which has obviously the Green Party as part of the coalition, have done nothing but damage that industry. I, th I think what they do, I, I look at no matter what, running a country is the same as, as as running a business. I think this government are looking at literally money in versus money out, and money in is huge. Don't get me wrong; of course, we need our multis. We need uh, the massive part of the running of this country. But when you just look to see if the money is coming in from one particular side, is that making our books balance and not care about the other side, which is the small family-run business, the small corner shop store? If you if that if that continues like that, what happens when the multis leave? Because ultimately they will. They will find another country that'll offer them a better tax break. They will find a country that'll offer them cheaper labor. They will, and especially the way technology is going, they'll need less and less of the lower paid staff so they can move it to anywhere with a couple of highly intelligent people running the show in a country that's going to give them a bigger tax break. What happens once these multis are gone? Mm. Well, when they're gone, we're doomed, to be honest with you. We are relying solely on, you know, the large multinational companies in this country. They pay most of the tax in this country, but also the paying most of the... Well, at, at the public sector will always get paid, but most of the tax in this country is yeah. paid, you know, by those multinationals. And not only by those multinationals, we know how much tax is paid by the farming industry in this country. I mean, the farming industry in this country brings in billions every single year, as well as tourism, by the way, which also brings in billions. And there's no point in having tourists come into the country if there's no restaurants available for them to go to, if there's no bars available for them to go to, or even not just the restaurants and bars. I noticed there recently in Drada, which has been devastated over the last 10 years, um, by the fact, for example, that they opened two shopping centres on the outside of the town, which devastated the main street. And that we've, we're seeing that, by the way, in a lot of small towns in Ireland, where they put a shopping centre in outside the town and they devastate the small little high street or the small little mm -hmm. main street. Um, let me just go to Jackie Healy Ray, if I can. Jackie, hi, how are you? Good, Niall, how are you? Nice to talk to you. Look, you came into the conversation there a few minutes ago towards the end. I'm speaking to Paul Travaux, also Connor Woods from the Bay Tree Restaurant, and Auntie Gray, who is the ex-president of the RAA and council member of the RAA, the Restaurant Association of Ireland now at the moment, in relation to the devastation being caused to the restaurant business of Ireland. But of course, you come into it because agriculture is really important in this. And, you know, the lads are telling me how much they're paying now for like a ribeye steak comparison to, say, two years ago. I mean, the prices are just exorbitant and it's going to get worse. Absolutely, because I suppose for farmers, from a farming point of view, the input costs have got so much dearer over the last number of years. Uh, simple things, even like the price of diesel um, that they're operating on on a weekly basis is going up. The cost of feed is going up. The cost of um, of treating their animals on a, on a weekly basis, be it for veterinary products or whatever it is, uh, is going up. So the, the input costs for agriculture have gone through the roof over the last two to three years. And of course, then, that is reflective then when people uh, who own restaurants in the hospitality sector are going to, to their producers um, to, to buy products. And again, the end user then, who is the customer, uh, is finding that when they are going to restaurants, uh, unfortunately, 
um, they they are seeing a higher increase in uh, in 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 their in their bills at the end of their at the end of their meals. But I suppose it all comes back to um, the very fact that um, you know people have to have an understanding of to why you're seeing the increases, and it, it's simply because that we that we have a government that is that is completely unable to get to grips with helping business, helping farmers. I mean, we had 11 MEPs the other day who thought that it was a good idea to vote in favour uh, uh, break the whip, uh, mm-hmm. especially when I it comes that, to the yeah. Finnegan well, MEPs. Yeah, well, we know why they did that. Yeah. We know why the Finnegan LTDs broke the whip and all voted in yeah. favour, because they all want a yeah. job in Europe in the future. Yeah, absolutely. They broke the whip and they, and they voted against their, their grouping uh, for the nature restoration um, uh, bill, piece of legislation that passed. And that's going to have a massive impact on farming, particularly in the county that I'm from, uh, where you have active farm, farmland that is being farmed in areas that are now going to be, to be designated for re- re-wetting. And that's going to have a big impact on their capacity to well, farm. Can, can I ask you something? Sorry, sorry for interrupting yes. you. As a layman, and you know, most of us, we mm. understand that agriculture is really important in Ireland and agriculture, of mm-hmm. course, feeds the restaurant industry. We understand how important that is. And we're looking at farmers protesting all across Germany and France and everywhere else. The Irish farmers have been told, you know, to cull a huge percentage of their cattle. Mm-hmm. And everybody makes the same argument. You don't have to be a scientist to work out that we're still going to eat the same amount of meat. So we're going to have to import it from Brazil and Argentina. That's what the lads are talking about, the cost of importing it, right? So why did farmers accept that? Is it just because the government said, here's a load of money to keep you quiet for the time being? Is that why they accepted it? Well, I, to be honest, I don't. I, I don't think as a whole that the farming community have accepted that. Um, well, I, well, I, I don't. Do well, I don't. I don't see in Ireland what's happening in Germany, what's happening in France, and what's happening I know, everywhere else. And I suppose, Why? I suppose the, the yes, the argument that I have for that is that I think as a whole that we are quite a passive country when it comes to you. Don't see the the sort of. Um, protests that you might have in France or in Germany or in Belgium and things like that. Uh, I think the only thing that you could uh, point to in, in the history of the state, kind of like that, would be the water protests. I, I suppose not the history of the state, but in recent in recent mm, times, recent times yeah. um, it would be would be the water protests. I, I think in in general that we do try to have uh, round round table discussions. We try to go through our lobby groups uh, as a country. I think that's the type of way that we conduct our business. And I suppose that begs the question is, is that good enough anymore? And perhaps it's not. And perhaps uh, under the new leadership of, of the new IFA president, um, that they will have, you know, we have seen over recent weeks, while, um, you know, farmers starting to organise uh, like they have out in Europe and, and causing disruption uh, around the country. And I suppose it, it just begs the question is, is more of that what's needed now uh, for, for, farm, for farming groups um, to be to be become more uh, organised in terms of how they're protesting, and I suppose upping the way that they do protest. That no longer is sitting across the table from from the minister or or or, or government representatives good enough anymore. I mean, I was looking at recently there a documentary where they were offering farmers, I think it was in Spain or France or somewhere, grants so they can now farm mealworms. And I'm going, is that really where we're heading? We're going to have, you know, Jackie Healy Ray with a, a farm full of insects and mealworms rather than a farm full of cattle because there might be less carbon emissions that might damage the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're listening to Connor there from the Bay Tree restaurant saying, you know, that the, it's carbon taxes that are doing a lot of damage to his business as well. And it's doing a lot of damage, damage to agriculture. I mean, realistically, Jackie, can we just say it? Is the Green Party the worst thing to ever happen to Ireland? Oh, well, look, I mean, we, we have less than probably 12 months left in the lifetime of this government. And it, it'll be very interesting to see uh, when, after the next general election, 
the, the thing obviously and what the makeup of the government would be, uh, but given recent polls, you would imagine that the Green Party, as we know it, um, would be very lucky to perhaps have one, if not two TDs left in the doll uh, after the next. Well, they're very lucky to be in government. The last time they were only there because the government needed yes. them. Yes, but my point in that being is, you have to remember the Green Party. While yes, they have a very big say, they're being enabled. They're being enabled not just by Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, but they're also being enabled by the by the Sinn Féin, the Labour Party, the um, the Social Democrats. Because when when we had uh, our climate targets uh, being debated in the Dáil, I believe only ten TDs voted against it, and every other TD and every other party inside the Dáil that night were saying that the government weren't going far enough. So just in case people think that Sinn Féin are going to come in and be the saviours of our farming community or anything like that, no, they're the not. Opposite. No, no, no. I, I think I think they'll do more of the same, if not even better. If you know what I mean. Exactly. And and again, I I it was only it was only recently that um that uh, I was um I seen the 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 interview between Ben Scanlon and um and Elon Musk. And Elon Musk was talking about how, and I suppose to be fair, the man is right uh, when it comes to 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 green to being green. He's probably uh, has done more for green energy in the world than perhaps anybody else. And uh, he he was talking about how agriculture that you can actually you know meet your 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 targets and everything without touching agriculture at all. Well, of course you, you know? can because I mean, look, most scientists in the world, well, the ones that I listen to certainly, you know what I mean, because I'm not stuck listening to the same scientists that other people listen to mm. all the time. I listen to a very I listen to a lot of scientists with different views. You know, and killing cows in Ireland, you know, is not going to make any difference to the weather tomorrow or the weather in 50 years time. It's not going to make an ounce of difference. It's it's it, it's what the consequence of that will be. It's no more. It's no different to us shutting down or. But, but, but yeah, but, uh, but Jackie, here. but all, but, ja- but Jackie is all accepted it. He's just accept. I mean, I'm not having a go. But I mean, when the government turned around and said we wanted to cull, you know, two hundred thousand cattle in Ireland, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that much. When I say protest, objection to it. I, I've heard one or two voices objecting to it, but I've heard a lot of farmers. Oh, well, we need to be more sustainable, and all. And okay, I get that farming needs to be more sustainable. You know, that's all part of the environment, and that's good for the planet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the idea of culling cows, that many cows, in a country yes, but, which is famous for its agriculture and its meat, seems farmers, nonsensical. But farmers, but farmers, in in their own way, have become more sustainable over the last. Even ten years alone, there has been massive uh, improvements made in Sibeli, even in the in the manner in which uh, you know we spread slurry now instead of instead of using the splash plate, um, to know that they mm. that they use the new the new process of doing it, and so uh, I suppose in their own way, farmers will always mm. um, be as sustainable as possible. But you're right in saying that when it comes to the culling of cattle, because again, the point that I was trying to make there about where we are shutting down our, our harvesting of peat. All that leads to is that we end up importing it. Like, we're importing peat from Latvia and Germany. So, like, again, I have no doubt that should we get to a stage where, where we have culled X number of cattle in this country to reduce our national herd, yeah. all that we start uh, doing is importing it from either Brazil or Argentina or somewhere like that. Yeah, all because like, the Minister for Bright Ideas thought it was a good idea, yeah. Yes, and where's the sustainability in that? 
Okay, but by the way, just getting back to another another point that has been made by the guys today, and I still have Paul Travaux with me here as well uh, on screen. And Paul, my, can... my neighbour, Paul, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've been in his restaurant a couple of times sampling his lovely steaks. <laughs> but in relation to you know what Paul is doing, and, and Paul is you know he's been out there, he's been very open and honest in the way he talks about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have to not avoid the elephant in the room. Forty percent of occupancy of hotels in Ireland, you know, is now taken up with either refugees or asylum seekers, people mm-hmm. seeking international protection, you know, and, you know, I know Michael has his own hotels. Before somebody texts in and says, mm-hmm. Noel, that bleeding Healy right fella, he's taking the government's mm-hmm. money as well. I'm well aware of mm-hmm. that. And I did say earlier on, I can't blame businesses taking the money. If it's available to you, you know what I mean, let's, let's do it. That's the government's fault for offering it in the first place. But getting back mm-hmm. to, you know, businesses are being devastated by immigration. What is clearly, Jackie, a reckless immigration policy. Only today, News Talk reported that it was at 82% of people coming into this country are coming I in with no it, documentation yeah. or the wrong documentation. We had a man. Or, or false documentation, yeah. yeah. And for the first time last week, Judge Paul Murphy, I think it was, jailed a man for coming into the country with no documentation, which should be happening because it's, a, it's illegal to do it. You cannot enter Ireland with no documentation. It's an illegal thing to do, right? So people should mm-hmm. go to jail or be deported or whatever. I mean, what are we going to do about that situation? That's not going to change. We're seeing, I mean, we've a thousand people on the streets in Dublin in tents. The government are now, you know, putting these porta cabins out nace to house 970 of them. They're going to move them out. But in the next three weeks, there'll be a thousand more in the tents to replace them because mm-hmm. they're not stopping. So yeah, it's not it's not a sustainable model. And fair enough, at the beginning when people were coming in, you could understand why hotels and hospitality sectors, uh, bed providers would have to be used at the beginning, right, mm. to give the government time in order to come up with a more sustainable plan. But the problem is that sustainable plan, two years on, has doesn't sight in our sound of it. No. And we we had at the very beginning, and it's it's a motion that I actually have into Kerry County Council for the coming months. Um, there is a such thing called the Ukrainian refurbishment scheme. And that was put in place for old buildings uh, and derelict buildings that weren't we say, uh, uh, in use for hospitality or anything like that. And that the idea of it was that these would be refurbished. It would obviously take a bit of time and that that's why the hospitality sector was being used in the intervening period. But that these derelict old buildings that were no longer in use would be brought back into use in order to cater for the for the people that were in the hotels. And when the people then, oh, you would be imagining that in time, when hopefully when things get back to some bit of normality, that when they would be vacated, that they would be that these buildings that had been no longer in use uh, would, would be there for Irish people to use. And see, but the problem is now, my understanding is that I, I'm waiting to be proved right uh, when I get the reply to my motion, is that, uh, the Kerry County Council have been assessing buildings uh, in the county and sending them to the technical team uh, in Dublin for approval, um, but none of them are getting approved for some reason. Yeah, but, you, yeah, but the plan, yeah, but the, yeah, but the plan you were talking about, that plan of, of refurbishing old buildings, that'll be all well yeah. and good if you have 30 or 40,000 people. But we're now up to about 130,000 people and the number yes, is growing I, daily. I, yes, <laughs> but I, yes, but but I understand. And Paul, Paul will know a place that I'm going to mention here now, St. Finian's Hospital. Right, the old Saint Finian's Hospital in Killarney. If you, if that, if that building, uh, they're talking about something like a hundred million or something to refurbish that building, either for social housing or for for the use of um, mm, for yeah. for Ukrainians or whatever it is. But could you imagine if you had that building 
uh, that would be refurbished and ready for occupancy clause for, for people to occupy. You would straight away be able to free up every bed space in Killarney that is being used for either by asylum seekers or Ukrainians in the town of Killarney and get your hospitality sector back to the way it was. Because, because when I was talking to Anthony earlier on, and I spoke to him on the radio going back a while ago, like he was talking about the fact that, you know, you got a couple of hotels, you know, in the small town which have, you know, full occupancy with refugees and asylum seekers. And again, I'm not blaming the refugees or asylum seekers, but they yeah. don't have any money. They're not wandering around the town popping into a restaurant Correct. for a 26 euro yes, meal. But my point you is, know, they're going to McDonald's. Campus, yes, but that campus there that I'm talking about uh, in St. Finian's, that could easily house alone the asylum seekers and Ukrainians that we have in Killarney and free up your business base in the hospitality sector again. And if, if they focused on longer term projects like that, and then, of course, when, when, when the building would be freed up then, of course you could use it for social housing or you could use it for whatever you wanted to do. And, and, and that's the point. Like, of course, there's always going to be a short term need for something. But the problem is now we're two years on and there's, there's no plan in place. And again, all that's happening is that the same thing keeps happening is, is more beds in the hospitality sector being taken up. And of course, you, you, you can't but have a knock on. I think, Billy, and I, I remember talking to you about it, Niall, uh, at one stage a study was done and that there had been 100 million euros displaced in the town of Killarney alone from the hospitality sector uh, because of the, because of the, mm-hmm. the occupancy by, by, um, by refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, and the government will tell us, by the way, that this is not a big talking point at the doorsteps for the election, but yet the Irish Times, which would be biased anyway, you would imagine it wouldn't have mentioned that the Irish Times would have snuck the article in. 22% of people uh, said their main concern in the next election, or their main concern going forward for Ireland, was immigration. And I think that... But honestly, most, yeah. yes, honesty is the best policy. And I have to say to you that I'm canvassing now, quite often I'm canvassing today here in a place called Bally McElligot in Tralee in County Kerry and I'm canvassing for the local elections. And I have to be honest with you, the, the, the amount of people that are bringing up immigration to me in the door is quite small. It's, it's, not, it's not major. Now, maybe that's just because it's the local elections and they know that, that it's not necessarily something that can be affected highly at, at a local level. But, like, it's, it's, not a, it's not a desperate big issue because I find that, again, it might be more of an Irish thing, but when I'm calling to the door, it's still the bread and butter issues. The road outside their door or the grant that they're looking for for the house. or I know, people will tell you what, what affects them directly. And I'm sorry, because I'm running out of time rapidly. Yes, sorry, I want to go to Nicola Lynch in a second. But Paul, you want to say something? Paul Trevo, go ahead. I'm going to give you something to think about. I always say, please don't think like me, but I just want you to think. There has been two huge seismic shifts in VAT rates. One of them is the industry that we're in, the hospitality industry, that has gone from 9% to a 50% increase. The other industry that facilitated unchallenged one-on-one debates and interviews for the last four years, i.e. mainstream media, their VAT rate, the 9% VAT rate, where did that go to? Mm. Zero. Don't think like me, just think. Okay, let me just go to Nicola Lynch as well if I can. Nicola is the owner of Zest Cafe in Kilorgan. Nicola, hi, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. Nicola, we've been talking to restaurant owners for the last half an hour, or last hour now, and Paul Travos is still with us from Killarney as well, about, you know, yeah. what can be done to save the restaurant industry. Too late for you, Nicola, I think, at this stage, is it? Well, it's it's definitely too late for me, but in the large scale of things, I think what was being said there is like, there's no urgency for anything to be fixed in a hurry. Everything has to go through so much red tape. And in the meantime, businesses all go. I mean, when I closed up 
couple of months ago now, everybody was saying to me, oh, look, you know, things will change. That cafe will be reopened again and everything will be fine because people were outraged. But the problem is, it's like, it's, it, it's like nothing ever happens. And in, in the, the interview I did with the um, Irish Independent, it was like nothing ever happens. There's no urgency ever to kind of fix something on time and for somebody to go in that can make a decision and stick by it. Mm-hmm. Like somebody that's, you know, an entrepreneurial person that has an idea and a vision and a plan. Like you have these people making decisions from the top down. And where, I'm sorry, now I'm in an airport. Okay. But, um, Leaving the country. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm in Belgium with my daughter at the moment. She's having medical treatment. But okay. It's like, I swear to God, it's a different world over here. You have like hotels, you have things up and running. Like Killarton, our town, is decimated completely. I mean, there's no coffee shop now in the town that's not a bar. So, like, for older people, like grandparents that used to come in, I'm still getting texts of people saying to me, will you open again? And yeah. I, I will never open again. I can't. Like, you can't. But, no, it's, just, it's not worth your own mental health but, to go through that. But yeah. you know what? There will be no opening for coffee shops because it will have to be all top end now. People will have to pay through the dollar for everything they get. And for the normal cup of coffee to meet your pal or five minutes or ten minutes with your your grandmother, your grandfather, that day is gone, unfortunately. And I, I'm really sorry to see that the business that you had for so long is unfortunately gone now. And I know a lot of people will miss it in Kilorgan. But the small towns yeah. and small rural towns in, in rural Ireland are all being decimated. Tourism is being decimated oh, as well. they are. Totally, totally decimated, mm. you know. And it's it's terribly sad, you know. Okay, Nicola, listen, thank you very much indeed for, for taking part as well. And let me go to Joe, by the way. Joe in Cork. Joe, hi, how are you? I'm not too bad, night. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm going well over time, but but however, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Poor old Paul well, Travaux there. I Paul know, could yeah, be busy I, making I steaks at the moment, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, good. Well the, sad, well, the sad thing about it is, Niall, um, the Green Party again have to come to the fore when it comes to this. They're they're the, they're the big they're the biggest bunch of clowns I've ever seen in all my life. They are running the country to the ground, and I can tell you something. I I I heard there a while ago. There's another restaurant here closed in Cork now, a pizza restaurant down there by where Nash's nineteen is. Here I I, I, I I mentioned it at the start. Yeah, on Princess Street. Yeah, I mentioned it there at the start. Yeah, the show, yeah. Princess Street. That's right. That's right. And. Um, I'll tell you something now. Cork City now is becoming it's like it's like um it's like a little ghetto now. It's turning into a little ghetto. There's nothing left in the city. There's businesses lying idle, there's empty buildings around the place. It's an absolute disgrace. And and another thing as well, because of the Green Party, and I'm not afraid to say it about the Green Party because I don't like the Green Party and I don't like the government in general, but the Green Party are responsible for a lot of this. You have the same minister going over to Brazil in just over two weeks, right? Yeah. Flying over to Brazil for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And yet he's telling people not to travel anywhere around the place. He's telling people not to travel in their cars, not to go this place, that place. 
So what does that tell you now? This is well, well, the, well the, the same man probably has more air miles on his clock this year than anybody, or in la- exactly. certainly in 2023 last year. Sure, he was everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah. It's like the, it's like the film Around the World in 80 Days. It's like <laughs> with him, it's like Around the World in so many, in so many months. Um, it's a disgrace, Niall. And I do feel sorry for businesses. I'll tell you something. I know one business there in the North Main Street now, Tony's Bistro. He had to let go of a load of staff there in the last couple of months because he couldn't afford to pay him. And another thing I would say, too, is that the sad thing about it is these businesses were able to operate great in the last, mm-hmm. just say, up till about four or five years ago. And ever since the COVID pandemic came along, a lot of these businesses haven't recovered. Um, they're not even able to stay open long enough. I remember like when businesses were open in Cork up till nearly 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Now these are businesses like Tony's Beast for them. They're now closing at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And Yeah, no, I know, because it's not worth their while staying open that late. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm kind of rushing through everybody, Joe, and I do apologise for going a bit short. I know, Paul, I've kept you long enough. Is there anything you want to say, Paul, just before we finish off? I need to go to Anthony, Bernie and Lorenzo as well, but is there anything you want to say just before I let you go? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of people listening now that are turning around and going, well, sure, what harm if a couple of restaurants and a couple of bars go? Sure, there's plenty more. And sure, they'll probably be happy because they can, the ones who survive, survival of the fittest, they're going to be doing fine. But what you have to understand in, in rural Ireland, that small bar, restaurants, the small corner shop, the small sweet shop, the Jarvis on the street in Killarney, that's what forms part of the pulse of the heartbeat that's so important to making your town and your village stand out from everyone else. You start messing around with that. The, the heart is a very small organ, but try surviving without it. You start seeing so many places close from clothes shops to bars to restaurants to wherever. And all of a sudden you're affecting the heartbeat of that small town and village. And no longer it's the same place where people want to flock and go, look, this is one of the most beautiful places on earth. And Killarney and Kenmare and Kerry in general is, I know I'm biased, I live here, but it's one of the most stunning places on earth. So when I'm shouting and I'm vocal all the time, it's because I just see what's happening in six months time. I never run my business today or tomorrow. I'm always looking six months down the line and I can see and I can hear what tourists are saying. And what's going on in Gallarney is going on in towns all across the country. And we're messing with the heartbeat of rural Ireland. And it's only going to end in one way. And it's not good. And that's why we all have to shout and scream. We had an increased cost of business grant that when they first talked about it was supposed to come out in mid-January. When it came to budget, they said it'd be paid in the first quarter of the year. That increased cost of business grant is the equivalent of three months as to what it's running for our asylum seekers and international protection applicants. And we still don't have it. It's a maximum of 5,000 euro for people. It's pretty much half their rates back, but it's a maximum of Mm -hmm. 5,000 euro. It mightn't sound like a lot, but that's probably two months electricity for a small bar and restaurants to, to, that would come in. I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And we still don't have it. So what do we have to get down on our hands? Is that what Leo wants? Does he want us all literally to crawl up to Leinster House and say, please, sir, give me some more? Because that's where our industry is right now. What is the holdup of this grant? They don't even, you don't even need to fill out a form, an application. The county councils have everybody's details. It could be paid tomorrow if they want to do it. And still nothing from it. And still nothing from the associations of Ireland involving tourism. And I include Fulcher Ireland and Tourism Ireland into that. They should be screaming down the door of Leinster House saying, for the love of God, would you pay that grant today? So just to give somebody some breathing, it's not going to save everybody, but it will give a lot of places okay. just a lot of breathing space. And that's, like, as I said, do you want us to beg? Is that is that where we're at? 
Well, listen, thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you joining us today, Paul, and taking part. And uh, I appreciate all the Ross Ventures as well who joined us today. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Uh, now, let me just go to Anthony if I can. Anthony, been waiting ages there. So, hi, Anthony. How are you? Not too bad, Nan. How are you? Good. Anthony, what, what do you blame when we see the, you know, the reduction in small businesses across Ireland, you know, and the, the drop? I mean, we've gone way over time. I could spend three hours. The amount of small businesses that have called us in and got involved in this conversation is just ridiculous. I know you could spend an hour talking about it. Well, yeah. the previous callers, I could just agree with them because I actually lived in Kerry myself for a couple of years and I worked there and I lived there and I know tourism is very important. But I think the really the heart of the matter is these hotels, you can't blame them. They'll have full occupancy for 12 months of the year when they wouldn't have it normally. But like, how long is that going to last? Is that going to be permanent? Is this going to go on? permanently how long is this going to last is this just a temporary measure or is it a permanent measure well, well, and if well it is, i can't see how it's temporary because where are we going to put everybody yeah and as my late mother used to say there's a place called stop when is it going to stop really you know i mean the, the, the whole idea of the whole idea of using hotels at the start of all this for be it ukrainians or for you know uh, people seeking international protection the whole idea was is it was a temporary measure and we come up with something better right but there's not going to be anything better because we can't produce houses quick enough even for our own vested interests, i.e. people who need affordable housing or social housing in Ireland. So we can't, yes. we can't produce them quick enough. You know, you have the Social Democrats saying they're going to you know, produce whatever, 40,000 houses. You have the Labour Party saying they're going to produce a million houses, but your days is Christ. Yeah, and I she's mean, talking out, Mary Lou talking out of both sides of her mouth. They're, they're not going to be able to produce these houses because they've no one to build them. So it's going to take at least 10 to 15, maybe 20 years for us to catch up when it comes to housing in Ireland. In the meantime... But you did not hear last week... What are we going to do? It wasn't last week, it was a fortnight ago, I think, maybe over a fortnight ago. Simon Harris putting out an appeal for builders and tradesmen Mm. to come back from abroad, from Australia and America. Yeah, and that's, and that's all well and good. Yeah, but, and, and, you know, Where offering, are you going to live? I, You'll have to build your own house before you can come back to work. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, what's the point going back to Ireland when there's nowhere to live and the cost of living is too high? No, but the reason they left here in the first place was they couldn't afford to live here. You yeah, know, I'd, spending I'd, £450 million on an advertising campaign to bring them back again is not going to make an ounce of difference. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, you just, it's like a Monty Python sketch. You couldn't make it up, really. You really could not make it up. And I don't know, they're just walking around blindly. I don't know. I don't know. I just... The Green Party, definitely, I agree with all your previous callers. The Green Party need to be wiped off the planet anyway, and I yeah. think they will be in the next election because they're destroying farmers, they're destroying small businesses. And I see down here in Cork, like your previous caller from Cork said, there's restaurant after restaurant just closing because of just mm. rubbish and Green Party agenda. There's a big... But I think everybody today has blamed the Green Party. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, they blame the government in general. But in relation to some of the cost factors, you know, even, for example, when we took at agriculture, which is obviously supplying the restaurant industry, they're all blaming the Green Party. Green Party policies seem to be a blame for an awful lot of things. Anthony, thank you for that. Let me just go to Lorenzo. Lorenzo, hi, how are you? Hi, good night. How are you? Good. Lorenzo, just finally on this, I mean, look, as I said, I could fill three hours with restaurateurs and businesses that are closing down across the country because of the costs, and not just the costs, because we're lacking tourism now because our hotels are full of refugees and asylum seekers and all sorts of people. And not only that, then we've seen the VAT rate is up and the cost of living is up. So, I mean, what are we going to do? Well, I think that, I think that the cost is definitely a problem. 
when you decide to go out. Um, but I, th- I mean, from my point of view, with with my wife, we always kind of don't know to go out or not based on the menu. That I mean, there's no difference in whatever wherever you go, it's constantly the same. So even the offer that a restaurant does, it's constantly the same. I mean, what's the difference between the restaurant or the pub mm-hmm. below your house or at, at the end of the street or in the fancy? I mean, you, you can go in. The, we, we went like last year in the very fancy hotel. I don't, I just don't remember what was the hotel here in Ace. And the menu was the pub menu. I yeah. mean, still a burger. The chicken burger. But you know, you know well, mind you, I, I couldn't disagree with you. It bothers me when you go into most of these places nowadays, which I always feel feel like are glorified fast food chains. Um, you know, the only difference is you're sitting down and somebody serving it to you. But most of these places all serve the same thing: burger, chips, rack of ribs, chicken, and that's it. You know what I mean? I yeah, mean, I mean, it's it's always this one. So even if I want to go out, why should I want? Would I go out to get a burger for 20 euro, 18 euro? Well, there are, well, yeah, but the only thing I'll say, Lorenzo, is there is nice restaurants too that serve better food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the mice, but unfortunately, I live in Tullamore. And it, I like, mean, I, I, I go to some nice restaurants up here, I, you know, in the <laughs> north, for example, and um, there's some nice Italian restaurants, Villa Italia, Scalini's. Um, then there's some nice Chinese restaurants like the Red Panda. Yeah, but that, that's the thing. Like, unless you go to an Italian restaurant or an Asian, the pub is constantly the same. Yeah. I mean, there is no something like, okay, I'm a chef, an Irish chef, I want to do something different. But even like meat-wise or fish-wise, it's constantly the same things like. Yeah. No, I, so, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, I'm, I'm by the way, in relation to immigration, that's <laughs> immigration has had a huge effect on Irish restaurants because, of course, hotels are filled with people who can't afford to go to restaurants. Um, what's the answer to that? Or is there an answer to it? I think that that's the I mean, it won't be have it won't there won't be an easy answer on no. on, on that I'd say. Thank you, Renzo, for that. Thank you to everybody who got involved in today's show, by the way, and hopefully the right people will get to see it. As I said, we did invite um, Falja Ireland, we did invite the Minister of Tourism, we did invite Neil Richmond, we did invite many people to come out to the show today to represent the government and to answer some questions in relation to that and represent Falja Ireland, uh, but they all declined or didn't even bother replying to us. Um, so thank you very much indeed to all those who did come on, restaurant owners as well. Can I mention as well, don't forget, please, for to do these shows, of course, cost money, please support our show. Um, we don't get license fee. We don't get advertising revenue. As you see, there's no advertising uh, on the screen here at the moment. Um, so please do support the show. The three of us work very hard to make the show happen every single day. Uh, we have another topic to come in a second, by the way, and uh, that'll be on another podcast. But please support the show by going to our website, nileboylan.com. That's nileboylan.com. You can go there. You can subscribe. You can donate. Please do it. We really need your help. 